Three maximum security and one medium security prison all within an hour's drive of here seems to me almost incumbent on Cornell to share some of our resources oh, with this neighboring institution that is deprived of the free flow of information. Why would these students want to learn Arabic? How is that useful to them? You get to see them. You're really uh, interested in this language that is so different than anything that they've yeah. seen before. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. We meet with Tess Wheelwright and Mokta Weatherspoon of the Cornell Prison Education Program, or CPAP. We speak with Mokta and Tess about their experience in language education with incarcerated students. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's Media Development Manager. We are joined by two colleagues today. Tess Wheelwright is the academic director of the Cornell Prison Education Program, and Magda Weatherspoon is a senior lecturer of Arabic. They are collaborating on an exciting project to teach languages in prisons, and we will hear more about how this program started and what it entails. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Tess and Magda. Thank you. Thank you, Angelica and Sam. Before we start talking about CPEP and the Arabic teaching that Magda is doing, can you share with us your background in languages and also talk a little bit about what you do at Cornell in general? Magda, do you want to start? Sure. Well, I'm Ethiopian by birth, but was raised in Sudan. Uh, I grew up bilingual, speaking Arabic and Ethiopian. Hmm. I also attended school in Sudan where all subjects, other than Arabic, of course, uh, were taught in English starting okay. in sixth grade. Hmm. As an adult, I have studied Spanish and French in the U.S. Uh, I'm a senior lecturer of Arabic here at Cornell, where I've been teaching Arabic for the past 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Great. And I'm currently teaching myself the classical and liturgical language of Ethiopia called Gez. Wow. Yeah, wow. that's amazing. Tess, what about you? I grew up in a monolingual household, mm -hmm. uh, speaking only English, but I loved, starting in high school, the study of foreign languages. Okay. So my high school, I was lucky we had a, a Mandarin program. Oh, cool. So I took three years of that and uh -huh. studied Spanish. Um, in college, I added one semester of intensive French because uh -huh. I wanted to read Flaubert in the original, I think. Wow. Um, and then after college, I lived for four years in Mexico City. Okay. So I shored up my Spanish pretty mm -hmm. decently. Um, I've married into a family, uh, our family-in-law that speaks Moroccan Arabic, Darija, oh. and French. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I aspire to, to pick <laughs> those up. Um, but yeah, I can really only claim English and Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> but um, now I am the academic director for the Cornell Prison Education Program. Um, and it's been really exciting to create opportunities or help create opportunities mm -hmm. for our incarcerated students to learn foreign languages because it was something I so much enjoyed myself as mm -hmm. a student. Yeah, that's great. All right. So, Tess, uh, how did the Cornell Prison Education Program start? When were languages added and which ones have been taught? Okay. You know, some of this I'm reaching back into historical mm -hmm. CPEP memory that predates me. Mm -hmm. I've been with the program for three years. Okay. Um, first as an instructor while I was doing my MFA here. Ah. Two years in an administrative role. But uh -huh. um, CPEP began in the 90s. It's, there was Clinton-era 
tough on crime legislation mm-hmm. that did away with a lot of taxpayer funded college opportunity. Mm-hmm. So in that era, a small handful of Cornell professors just, you know, by their own steam mm-hmm. started driving up to Auburn prison mm-hmm. pretty early on taking undergraduates with them and informally offering some some college English classes yeah. to the incarcerated students there. Um in 1999, they got the support from Cornell to offer these classes for credit mm. um, through the School of Continuing Education. Yeah. So they were um, charging neither tuition nor fees, and, and that was Cornell's role. And the program got sure footing when Mary Katzenstein, government professor mm-hmm. emerita, joined the team in mm-hmm. 2005 and helped secure funding and expanded what CPEP could offer. And actually, CPEP became CPEP in 2010. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And since then, we have really expanded. So oh. now we're able to provide over 30 college classes a semester wow. um, to over 200 incarcerated students across four prisons near Cornell and engage, you know, upwards of, if you count both undergrads and graduate students mm-hmm. and faculty, you know, some 70 volunteers every semester. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, yep. Helping offer college opportunity and you know, confronting racialized mass incarceration mm-hmm, mm-hmm. up close. Huh. Um, from my research in the CPEP language learning, mm-hmm. language course offering archives, yeah. it seems that one of the early Spanish classes was actually offered not to incarcerated students, but to corrections officers. Oh, mm. There's this tension, which I'm sure, sure. Marta has also experienced sometimes. You know, what's Cornell doing here, mm-hmm. offering classes mm-hmm. to the guys locked up? What about the rest mm-hmm. of us? Mm-hmm. Um so I think some gesture to respond to that was this Spanish class for COs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much more about it than that. Since okay. then, there have been some other endeavors to teach Spanish. Mm-hmm. But we currently, um, at Cayuga Correctional Facility, have a cohort that's about to, to um, embark on their third semester of Spanish, which I think is great. Yeah, the wow. most commitment we've seen. It's been wonderful. Um, Empty San Mursi in the Romance Studies Department, Hefsi Rodriguez, they've been grad students doing a great job teaching Spanish. Um, there were a couple semesters of German. There are some really persistent um, language files teaching themselves languages themselves mm, among our student mm-hmm. body. That's but great. There's a small group that's been um, learning Mandarin together at Auburn Prison. Uh-huh. Another student that Magda was just reminding me of who's, who's learning Hindi on his own, mm-hmm. sometimes with some tutoring from Mary Katzenstein, who mm-hmm. has that background also. Um, and then most excitingly, most recently, um, Magda reached out with interest uh, mm. in extending her Arabic curriculum yeah. into prison. And the students were absolutely thrilled. Um, so that's where we are now. Awesome. Cool. So Magda, how do you go about teaching in this new environment? And how often do you actually get to meet with your students at the prison? Uh, well, let me start out by saying that... Um, Many of my students are very agreeable to learning, mm-hmm. and I'm just amazed on how much they appreciate education, mm-hmm. and they feel that it is very relevant for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this alone can make teaching a whole lot easier. Oh, absolutely, easier. yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Motivation uh, is a huge factor. Right. So uh, when I first start, started teaching at Auburn, this was last summer, mm-hmm. uh, I met with the students twice per week. Okay. And currently in the fall, I'm teaching there as well, mm-hmm. and we meet once a week. Okay. Um, so as far as um, the environment, of course, in a prison setting, it is important to, first of all, uh, kind of build some kind of good 
rapper uh, mm-hmm. among the students. Uh, that's very important. Yeah. Uh, and as far as the teaching material, uh, I basically created a curriculum based on the one we use here at Cornell, okay. but adjusted for the uh, you know for the classroom mm-hmm. setting in prison, mm-hmm. where you know the the use of technology is very limited. Sure, right. So, for example, you know I found out that my students do love doing skits. Okay, they love 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 <laughs> skits. Uh, uh, because, like one of them said, they they actually feel like they're learning something. Uh-huh. They're actively yeah. using the of language. Uh, they also love to read, and mm. uh, I should say they love to learn about different Arabic countries and the culture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from those countries. And so I use that opportunity to create reading materials about those countries. Nice, and, yeah. um, and as a result, uh, the students can even. Uh, Maybe as an assignment, we can say, why don't you write about an Arab country or imagine uh-huh, you're going uh-huh, to that Arab country. Uh-huh. What would you encounter there based on what you learned, what you read before? Uh, what would your experience be like? Yeah. And the students absolutely yeah. lo- love doing that. It's uh-huh. like this imaginative writing where, where what it would be like to go mm-hmm. abroad somewhere else and experience new things. Um, so basically, I guess the curriculum is um, designed or at least to the best of my ability, sure. to balance speaking and uh, listening okay. with reading and writing. Mm-hmm. And a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, between. you definitely need that. Yeah, so, Which the students confirm. You know, it's I get to sometimes <laughs> chat to them yeah. outside of class in our weekly study hall. Uh-huh. And a student who's already bilingual in English and Spanish was like, she's amazing. She <laughs> makes language learning into a game. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and once in the classroom, yes, you prepare, you have this curriculum, you mm-hmm. preparations. Um, I learned that I have to be very flexible. Mm-hmm. I have to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, improvise on the spot as of needed course, to yeah. make sure that what we're doing is relevant to that moment, mm-hmm. to the classroom mm-hmm. setting, to even the students. Who, sure. Change, you know. Sometimes you may have a missing student, and you of have course, this yeah. activities planned uh. with all the students being there. So you kind of have to be very flexible um, and improvise. In summer, I visited one class um, of Maktas, and the uh-huh. students were clearly taking some license with the imaginative ah. atmosphere you created. <laughs> students were, you know, in introducing themselves, said they were a Mohandas. <laughs> Someone said he was an engineer. Right. <laughs> One student had been nicknamed Bototo, right? Yeah, Bototo, <laughs> potato head. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And one of your Cornell undergrad students was the was the teaching assistant in summer. Yes. Right? Yeah, Renel Mensa. He, she's a, a government major, also minoring in Arabic. And she jumped on and wanted to help mm. and that was very helpful yeah that's fantastic especially because in the beginning we didn't have access to the computer lab we didn't have access to media mm. so the that's script hard. for the di- dialogues her and i were kind of playing that in front mm. of the students so they got to see mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh what it sounds like um mm-hmm. they, she also had a really important role for them um she showed them what it's like to learn arabic as a na- non-native oh, speaker yeah. yeah because she was just like them. She started from mm-hmm. scratch, zero. And so seeing her, they said, wow, you know, right. I can be like that. Yeah. So I love that you, I mean, I think our ideal vision of the teaching assistant's role mm-hmm. is exactly that. Sort right. of, you know, peer inspirer and mm-hmm. um, mentor. Absolutely. She seemed awesome. About how many students do you have? Like how many were there in the summer and how many do you have right now? 
In the summer, we started out with 14, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Actually, 15. One had to be transferred. And a few others couldn't come because they have, I'm not sure exactly the reason, but I believe we ended up with 13 in okay. the end. Yeah, uh, in the summer. And currently I have 10. Okay. Um, the other ones had to take some, prerequis- not prerequisite, but requirements for a graduation. Sure, so sure, sure. They couldn't yeah. enroll. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have 10 students and these are the same students that were with me in the oh, summer. Oh, nice. So okay. It's kind of nice to keep it going yeah. and continue. Yeah. And, yeah. They're so, lobbying so hard for a third semester. <laughs> ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so you only see your students for a rather limited amount of time. What kind of strategies do you give them to allow them to continue learning outside of regular class instruction? Actually, as far as the Arabic language itself, I try from the very beginning teach them how the language is structured. Mm-hmm. And there are ways for them to be able to study on their own by uh, learning specific techniques to help them decipher the language. For example, in Arabic, we have this root system. Mm -hmm. If you can figure out the root of a word, you can kind of guess the meaning of this new word that they've never Mm -hmm. encountered, but it's kind of related to a root that they've seen. So I try to bring that early, early, early on. And so that helps them uh, to go home and say, okay, what is the root of this word? Let's see, do I know any other roots? Sure. Uh, any words, any other words that come from the same root, that kind of helps mm-hmm. them. Uh, I also tell them, you know, uh, do a lot of reading yeah. uh, outside of class. That helps. Read out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter what anybody around you says. Just <laughs> read out loud. Speak to yourself. Yeah. Uh, play skits with yourself since they love to do that so much in class. And also just... Uh, Apparently, there are resources, other Arabic speakers uh, mm-hmm. at Auburn. I say, you know, take that opportunity to see what you can learn from them. Mm-hmm. Have conversation, you know, see what you what you can do with what you learned in class and yeah. activate it outside of class. Uh, so, yeah. And also, you know, the students themselves are very motivated. They have their mm-hmm. own techniques and strategies. I'm just amazed and how, what each one does to help them learn vocabulary, for example. They have flashcards. I have a student who has a notebook. He writes each word about three or four times. Oh, mm-hmm. and he says it out loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all these strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone is unique, and all strategies sure. are unique to them. Course, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the key is to stay motivated and to keep going and mm-hmm. learn outside the class. Mm-hmm. You've definitely hit on a key challenge. I mean, we all know the intro language courses here at Cornell meet every day, mm-hmm. and that's part of the whole logic sure. and magic. And, yep. you know, there's almost nothing less ideal than a class that only meets once a mm-hmm. week, which you were able to sort of transcend in summer when at least you saw them twice right. a week. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, at two of the four prisons where CPEP is offering courses, we have computer labs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knock on wood, we're, we'll build a third at Five Points Prison mm-hmm. in November. So the students, thanks to Makta, she was able to supply us with a lot of audiovisual materials. Mm, that's great. So the yeah, units that, that correspond to the textbook um, and a whole new file of songs and poems, we uh-huh. were able to put onto the server nice. in the prison. So yeah. a couple other days a week, yeah. the, the men can sign out to the, pr- yeah. to the computer lab and listen right. to those files, um, which was also aided by the fact that Magda is the author of those yeah, materials, yes. so we didn't have all mm-hmm. the regular hurdles of, mm-hmm. of right. sharing that stuff. Um, but it's the challenge everywhere. I mean, yeah, we are sure. 
when we've taught Spanish during, you know, the fall or spring mm -hmm. semester, it meets once a week. So like you're describing, students supplement, you know, they may share a, be in the same dorm with yeah. a Spanish speaker, share a cell with a Spanish speaker. Mm -hmm. They'll have access to Telemundo and mm -hmm. Spanish radio, mm -hmm. but... Um, yeah, they really, they're making up for the, for the obvious deficit of not being able to sure. meet every day. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad you brought up the computer lab. That has been very uh, key, actually, for us uh, because I think they go there on Wednesdays doing um, study or tutorials. Is that mm -hmm. what it's called? Yeah, doing tutorials. So they, have, they do have access to the computer lab mm -hmm. and the material on the computers. Yeah. And so the, that's one way they can supplement Sure. Not being able to meet to meet yeah. every day, and the students absolutely love these mm -hmm. audio and video materials because mm -hmm. you know I it's bet. authentic language sure. and it's someone other than me all mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. talking, of talking, course, talking. Yeah. Uh, so you know they do enjoy those, mm -hmm. and I, I'm very glad for CEPA, you know, uh, being able to provide that for us and being flexible too, <laughs> right? And uh, and now you know we meet in the computer lab and. Not only do they have access to these materials uh, on Wednesdays, but also in class, I do designate some time uh, during regular class time for them to get on the computer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then watch something for us to come together right away and discuss it. So that has been very key as well. Yeah. Tess, can you talk a little more about the importance of programs like CPEP and MACDA? How are languages in particular important for the group of learners you're working with? Cornell is to date not giving a degree in its own name to our incarcerated students, mm -hmm. or rather it's giving one. There is a six-course Cornell certificate in the liberal arts that okay. some especially ambitious students can apply into mm -hmm. and, and pursue. But most of our students are um, earning an associate's degree through a partnership with Cayuga Community College. Okay. Mm -hmm. So half of the classes they take are Cayuga Community College rostered classes, it. even if it's a Cornell graduate student teaching that sure. class. And the second half might be upper-level Cornell electives, mm -hmm. elementary Arabic, and those are transferring into that degree plan um, nice. as electives. Yeah. We are now at Elmira Correctional Facility also, and it's too far from our community college partner, Cayuga Community College. So we mm -hmm. have a new partner there, Corning Community College. And the associate's degree we'll offer through Corning requires a foreign language. Oh, wow. So there, there's a six-credit foreign language uh -huh. requirement. So these... Um, Kind of pilot programs and offering second languages uh, are about to become very relevant as all you know 40 plus students at Elmira will have to will have to meet that challenge. Um, gosh, where to even begin about why mm -hmm. education in this context mm -hmm. is important? Um, education in every context is important. Sure. I I believe it's a right. Um, higher education should be available and accessible to anybody who has gotten through high school and wants to continue to pursue studies. Um, I know that isn't true in many places in our country today, inside prison and outside prison. But I think with Cornell situated where it is here in prison country with three maximum security and one medium mm -hmm. security prison all within an hour's drive of here, mm -hmm. um, it seems to me almost incumbent on Cornell to mm -hmm. share some of our resources oh, with this neighboring institution mm -hmm. that is almost exactly the opposite, you know, deprived of mm. the free flow of information. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just been great will on Cornell's mm -hmm. part to, to um, I suppose, fulfill our land-grant mission. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Extend, you know, study to any person willing. Um, mm -hmm. And as Magda began to describe with the motivation of her students, we find that again and again and again. 
I think mm-hmm. it's probably a real um, characteristic of, of adult ed, of lifelong learning. Sure. This, yep. Whenever there's a longtime teacher who, who teaches through CPEP in prison, they say, you know, you prepared us for prison, but the real salient feature of these students is that they're adults. They really engage. Mm-hmm. They really are, you know, adamant that that their own prior learning and life experience be part of the conversation. And if that's honored, then you are, you know, at risk of romanticizing this group of students. <laughs> you are you are met with the most engaged, mm-hmm. um, I guess, purposeful, serious body of students uh, an educator could hope to have. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I absolutely uh, agree with us. I mean, education is important. And um, also, I want to speak specifically as far as Arabic and, you know, languages, but Arabic in, mm-hmm. uh, in general, specifically speaking. Uh, why why would these students want to learn Arabic? Yeah. You know, how is that useful to them? This is like one of the first questions I ask when I go in the classroom. Uh, and all of them, just like Cornell students, have different reasons. Um there is one reason, though, I don't hear to fulfill a, re- yeah. <laughs> a requirement, uh-huh. which, which speaks volumes, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So the students actually want to be there. Mm-hmm. And at first, they don't know what to expect. They don't sure. know what, you know, they're just kind of trying things out a little yeah. bit. What is this about? Let me see. Uh, you know, but despite all the different motivations, they, like I said, they want to be there. And and also to teach a language, it's not just to teach a language, it's to mm-hmm. teach about the people of, course, yeah. of that language and yeah. the culture of that language. And uh, in the curriculum, I make sure we have this cultural uh, aspect embedded in there so that they can see how the culture and language and even religion, religions mm-hmm. of, of the Arab world kind of is part of the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so students, you know, by learning Arabic, they get to learn the language. They get to have a different perspective. They get to think critically. They get to uh, kind of widen their horizon why people say the way they do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, say things in Arabic. Um, so, yes, you get to see them. You're really mm-hmm. uh, interested in this language that is so different than anything that they've yeah. seen before. And at first I show them, for example, first day some kind of Arabic script writing and oh. they say, <laughs> they get taken back. Yeah. But then I said, believe me, by next time you will be able to see what uh-huh. this is all about. Uh-huh. It's all 28 letters and you're going to learn these letters and yeah. you'll be able to read that. They don't believe me at first, <laughs> but they quickly learn, wow, this is actually possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, as I go in there, I don't just teach Arabic language. Sure. I'm teaching them something and um, more than that. I'm, you know, my hope is to give them access to something that's not accessible to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this whole new world out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great. Wonderful. It, you know, it's almost I mean, an opportunity for um, you know, men who for this time in their lives are um, confined to one, one mm-hmm. geography. You're, you're sort of allowing them a yeah. vehicle for, for travel, okay. if imaginative. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. So where can people find out more about CPEP? Um, people can find out more by reaching out to star instructors like Magda <laughs> or to me. Um, our website, I think, is cpep.cornell.edu. Um, there have been some recent Chronicle articles about CPEP. Mm-hmm. Um, I think featuring our partner in ILR, there's a wonderful mm-hmm. 
effort in New York City in the labor and employment law program to, to go into Queensboro Correctional Facility and actually hold job fairs for men, you know, transitioning mm-hmm. back to the community pretty soon. Yeah. Um, they can read about our new partnership with um, through librarian Heather Furness's on-campus research methods class, whereby mm. students here at Cornell are partnered with incarcerated researchers to help them carry out, um, oh, help wow. them access the stacks yeah. in the databases and yeah. carry out research. That's great. All right. Well, before we sign off, we'd like to ask you both to share your favorite word in a language you speak or have learned, are learning, want to learn. So, uh, Tess, I don't know. Do you want to start? Gosh, um, I've been really having to dust off my 15-year-old student Mandarin <laughs> because this semester the group at Auburn self-studying Mandarin uh, doesn't have the privilege of, of, of a TA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's see, I was remembering the difficulty of two fourth tones in a row. Mm. We were practicing hot fire. Mm. <laughs> but I've always loved in Spanish the word ojalá. And its roots in Inshallah, um, and the history that tells. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, very interesting. Well, for me, since I'm currently learning Giz, the mm-hmm. Ethiopic language, um, I came across this word, and I really love it because <laughs> I kind of recognize it, but I didn't know what mm-hmm. it meant exactly. Uh, it's kal kidan, kal kidan. It's a compound word uh, made out of two words. Kal, which is kind of roughly could be translated to mean to say or to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kidan means to give like word or promise. And you put them together, kal kidan is, means, I guess in English, to give you a word or to be committed mm. to something. Okay. Mm-hmm. But only to something good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be commit- commitment to do well, to uh-huh. do good. Mm-hmm. So I guess in other words, commit to do good deeds, right? Mm-hmm. So I just love it. Because, yeah, it's uh, beautiful yeah. too, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for speaking of language with us today, Magda and Tess. Next week, we will speak with Abby Cohn and Katie Blake about a new event that we piloted this semester, Cornell World Languages Day. Until then, auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.